In Jesus' precious name we pray these things. Amen. Well, last Sunday was, uh, was Father's Day, as hopefully you remembered and knew. It was one of, those, one of those hallmark holidays. I talk about how challenging Mother's Day is sometimes. Do you preach about it or not? Well, Father's Day, same thing. It's a, it's a challenging, challenging holiday for us. It always lands on a Sunday. But it's challenging in other ways, too. It's a day last week that I faced with a mixture of emotions, and some of you did as well. And so after church, I drove across town to have a Sunday lunch with my, with my mother and some other family members. And it's been about uh, 11 years now since my father passed away from cancer. And so we're getting used to celebrating Father's Day without my father there, as many of you have learned to do in your lives as well. It still seems a bit odd to be there without him. And yet, as I reflected on that day and that time together as a family, in so many ways, he was still there present with us. And my dad's presence and his personality, they live on through his children and his grandchildren. I look at some of my brothers, I look at some of my nephews, and I see, I see my father in them, especially the ones who were unlucky enough to get the same nose that my father had. And you can see him right there in their faces, right? I hear my dad's voice often. I hear him through my own voice, right? Usually when I repeat the same old jokes again and again and again like he did. Or, or when I make a bad pun as he was so known to do. I think of him every time I go to my backyard to check out my garden and to see my tomatoes. Because that's what he would do every day. Go check his tomatoes. And he wasn't checking to see if there were tomatoes on the plant. All he cared about was how tall he could grow his tomato plants. He didn't care about the tomatoes at all. He, he would have to get on a ladder, a six-foot ladder, to get to the top of his tomato plants. So I think of him every time I go back to the garden and, and check my tomatoes, right? Oftentimes, I'm reminded by Stacy. When I say something or do something that, that reminds her of my dad, she'll often look at me and say, thanks, Norm, to remind me, yeah, I'm being just like, just like my dad, Right? His image is still being reflected in me, even though he's been gone almost 11 years. And this morning, as we continue our series, as we're, we're digging deeper into what we believe, right? Often we know what we believe on a shallow level, but, but what does it mean to dig deeper, right? This morning, we're examining together the image of God, our Father, that we are called to reflect. From the very start of creation, you and I were designed and created to carry and show the image of God our Father to each other and to this world all around us. Right? In the same way that Stacy can, can see clearly my father Norm in me, so everybody around you, everybody you encounter in your life, Everybody you work with, the people you live nearby with, the, the students you teach, your friends, they should be able to see God, your Father, in you. Enough that when you're talking, when you're doing something, they should be able to look at you and say, thanks, God, because they see God coming through you. So this morning, we, begin, we need to begin to understand what it means, what it really means for us to carry the image of God inside of us. If you, if you run in theological circles, you'll hear uh, that image of God term often, although you'll more often hear it in Latin, imago dei, it's supposed to make you sound more, more important, I guess, if you say it in Latin. 
But it's a significant theme that runs through scripture, that runs through our lives that we need to be aware of. What does it mean for you and for me to be carriers of the image of God? Well, turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Right at the very beginning of this book, page 2. We spend a lot of time in in these first few chapters of Genesis lately because there's a lot here to learn about ourselves and, and about God from these early chapters. And it's here that we learn about the image of God within each one of us. Right? This is the creation story. Right? In, the, in the first five days of creation, God puts this whole world into place. He creates the earth and the sky, and He creates the oceans and the dry land. He creates the sun and the moon. He creates the flowers and the trees He creates the birds and the fish and the animals. And then comes day six. God's crowning day of creation, right? Start with me at verse 26. Because then God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made. And it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning. The sixth day. That's our story. And our story, your story, starts with everything so right. Right? If you read this whole chapter, you read that at the end of every day, God says, he looks at his creation work that day and says, it's good. It's good. And he looks at day six. He looks at us and he says, this is very good. You and I are very good. We are the crown of God's creation, designed and loved by Him. And the difference between good and very good is the image of God placed within us. Right? God states that intention in verse 26 that we just read. Let us make man in our image. And He fulfills that intention in verse 27. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him, male and female. He created them, right? Being an image bearer of God is what sets you and me apart from the rest of this creation. It is what makes us special. It is what makes us very good. Carrying the image of God means simply that we are created, you and I, to reflect God much in the same way that I reflect my father and his characteristics and his personality. Okay, so, so the image of God doesn't necessarily mean that we, we, we look physically like God. Right? We're told God is spirit. He doesn't have flesh and bones like we do. 
And when we start to shape God in our image, right, when we start to give him these physical attributes, we often get ourselves in theological trouble. It's not talking here about we look physically like God. Instead, the image of God is shown in our actions, in our words, in our character, in our conscience, in our soul. In every part of our daily life, we look like God when we act like him and behave like him and think like him and live like him. When people see us, when people see you, they should see God in the things you do, in the words you say, in your personality, in your values, in your lifestyle. And that should also shape how you think about and how you treat the people that you run into every day, right? Every single person is an image bearer of God. Every single person. Yes, some of us, some of us at this point are reflecting God better than others. But every human being is worthy of respect and honor if for no other reason than this, that God created that person to reflect him and put his image in that individual. You know, it's interesting, the Israelites who would have read this early on when it was first written, would have heard this line and their ears would have perked up immediately. They would have heard it in a very unique way. You see, in that early, early culture, kings and rulers of nations often referred to themselves as having the image of God, as being image bearers of God. That's, that's the way they set themselves apart as, as the all-powerful authority, right? So you call your king the image of God. And here, now the people of Israel, when they read about their own creation, they read that each and every one of them is identified as the image of God. In other words, in, other words, in God's eyes, every single person is royalty. In God's eyes, every single human being is directly related to him. In God's eyes, you, you are valued that much. I am valued that much. That person sitting next to you right now is the image bearer of God, of inestimable value. And our creation purpose now, our calling now, is to reflect God to this world, to act like him, to behave like him. That created purpose is reiterated in the New Testament often, right? Especially especially now in the New Testament that we're given a physical model to follow. We are given a physical model in Jesus Christ. So Romans 8.29 tells us that our purpose is to be conformed into the likeness of his son. They should see Jesus in us. Ephesians 4.24 calls us to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We're to become who we were created to be, image bearers of God. And Genesis 1 is where God tells us how to do that, how to act like him. Right at the very start, God gives us two responsibilities that we share with him as his image bearers. And these commands should shape our daily lives. First, the first one comes in verse 28. 
God has finished creating humans in his own image. And his first words to us are, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill this earth and subdue it. Okay, so you and I are commanded, first of all, to fill the earth. And that command carries so much more insight, so much more meaning than simply reproducing that there's more than just two human beings on the earth. As image bearers of God, this command gives us the power to create. We are given the power to create and the responsibility then to reproduce. And it's so much more than physical reproduction, right? This is a spiritual reproduction that he's commanding here. Yes, God wants the human race to flourish and fill the earth, but he wants, but what he wants reproduced for generations to come is the image of God developed within each one of us. His character, his holiness, his goodness, his love being lived out in this broken world. That's our task. That's our purpose through the power of the Holy Spirit, to raise up image bearers of God who look more and more like him. And that often happens in families, doesn't it? Parents, it is your God-given task to raise your children to reflect God in their characters and their actions. That's your number one priority for your children. Nothing should be better than that. Nothing should be a priority higher than that. Not that they're superstar athletes. Not that they're popular in their class. Not that they have every educational advantage so they'll be successful in life. Nothing else. Nothing more important that they are image bearers of God, reflecting his love, reflecting his character. That's what we must be reproducing from generation to generation in our children and our grandchildren. And let's admit it, that's a huge and difficult calling because there's priorities that this world tells us that we should have for our children that keep pulling us away from that, that keep rising above this priority. We make choices that fly in the face of this for our kids. That's why we need help in that process. We need the help of parents and grandparents and friends who model what the image of God looks like for us and our children. We need the help of a church community to teach and encourage and support us and our children. Many of us enlist the help of Christian schools where teachers and, and administrators and fellow students help in that journey, help us understand what it means to reflect God well. Okay, but this, this spiritual reproduction isn't just limited to parents and children. It's not the only place it happens. It's not the only way God intends it to happen. We are to repro reproduce this image of God, grow the image of God through the power of the Holy Spirit in our neighborhoods, in our offices, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our classrooms, wherever God has placed us. Because everybody around you Everybody around you has the image of God in them, whether they realize it or not. And we've been called and designed to help them see that, to help them develop that, to help them recognize God in them and to live out his image. We are designed, you and I, 
Not only to have the image of God within us, but to reproduce that image of God all around us through the power of the Spirit at work in us. That's what it means. And we're called to fill the earth. We're given the power to create and the the responsibility to reproduce the image of God through the power of the Spirit. Okay, that's our first responsibility. God gives us the second one in the second half of verse 28. We are commanded, first of all, to fill the earth and secondly, to rule the earth. God says, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every, every living creature that moves on the ground. Okay, kind of cool to be rulers, right? To have some power. Well, when God commanded us to rule over the earth, he did give us power to subdue this world. And he also gave us the responsibility to protect it. As image bearers of God, we share in some of his authority. We share in some of his power. We are his representatives here on this earth. But one of... I think one of our favorite psalms, Psalm 8, talks just about that, of of where we rank and the power we've been given. Let me just read that psalm to you. My guess is it will sound familiar to you. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider... Your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. Listen to this. You have made him a little lower than heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him ruler over the works of your hands. You have put everything under his feet. All the flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and that swim the paths of the sea. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Did you catch that? God has crowned you with glory. He has crowned you with honor. He has made you ruler over the works of his hands. God has put everything, all of his creation, under your feet for you to use, for you to direct, for you to shape and to create with. Right? That power to subdue is clearly seen as we've used this creation for our purposes, right? We've, we've done it. We're still doing it. We've moved mountains. We've built dams. We've dug mines. We've Harvest the power of the sun and the wind and the water. We've maximized crops and minimized diseases. We've bred cows to give us more milk and chickens to give us more meat. Daily, you and I, we exert our power to rule over this world. Right? We shape the world around us from, from the lawns we manicure to bring us pride, to the pets that we tame to keep us company, to the food that we set on the table to to fill our stomachs. We have the power to rule over and manage and use this creation. It's what God intended. But if we're going to be image bearers of God, imitating Him, then we will rule this creation just as He would rule this creation. 
We will use our power to control this world in ways that maintain it and protect it. God has trusted us to care for his creation. And we haven't always been very good at that, have we? We've clear-cut rainforests destroying habitats without thinking about it because it's far away from us. It just gives us cheap paper, right? Cheap wood. We make convenience king at the expense of this earth. We build mountains of landfills because we insist on making everything disposable. Right? We buy new and throw away old much too quickly. We guzzle gasoline and, and you know, spew that exhaust into the air so that we can just drive a bigger vehicle. We dump our waste into the lakes and the oceans when it costs too much to clean up right. We raise animals in cruel ways, treating them only as commodities instead of God's creation. I can remember, just as a kid, back in the 80s, flying um, into Los Angeles. I don't know if any of you flew into Los Angeles in the 80s, but you'd fly through, through, um, through an, a layer of orange cloud as the smog hung above Los Angeles. And you just held your breath in the airplane, even though you realized it didn't really matter. And you realize what we're doing to our world, right? Whether it's clouds of smog or islands of garbage or, or recyclable materials that we are too lazy to walk to the recycled container, we just throw it in the garbage instead. Or, or whether it's that plastic bag in the store that we just let blow, out of the, blow down the street because we're too lazy to go get it. We aren't honoring God. We aren't protecting the creation as he would. We aren't caring for it as he does. If we're living as image bearers of God, we'll stop exploiting and wasting and despoiling. And instead, we will, we will protect and care for this world with wisdom, respect, and compassion. It's the kind of ruler that you were called and created to be. It's the kind of respect and trust that God has given you. He trusts you. He trusts me to care for this creation that he created good. And that he loves. It's our second responsibility. And so every person you meet is an image bearer of God. For some, that image is clearly visible. For others, it's hidden deeply behind the brokenness of sin. But it's given to everyone. The power to create is given to everybody. And sometimes they use it for good, sometimes they use it for evil. The power to subdue this world is given to everybody. Sometimes it's used for good, sometimes it's used for evil. Either way, the image of God within each person is of immense value. It's the image of God in you that gives you immense value. Okay? Recognize that that image of God in you brings great responsibility. It's a high calling to reflect God in this world, to reproduce his image, to protect his creation. This world is watching you. It's it's watching all of us. They're watching us at work. They're watching us at school. They're watching us at home and in the neighborhood, on the sports field, at the mall when we're walking, at the campground when we're camping, at the cottage. They're watching us at the party that we go to. They're watching us at the ball game to see what kind of fans and and athletes we're going to be. They're watching us on the internet. They're watching our posts on Facebook. 
And they're wanting to see Jesus. And when they don't see Jesus in us, they notice. And when they do see Jesus in us, they notice. So think about your life. Are they seeing the image of God in you? Are they hearing him in your words? Are they seeing him in your character and in your attributes? Are they recognizing him in the choices that you make? Are they experiencing him in your love and your compassion and in your grace? At all times and in all places, our calling is to show this world what God looks like and who God is through us. Huge responsibility. And being an image bearer of God is also a huge blessing. I want you to go back to Genesis chapter 1. Don't miss the very beginning of our story. Right in verse 28, before God gives us these responsibilities of ours, he does something first. The very beginning of verse 28, before anything else, says God blessed them. And then he said to them, he blesses us, his image bearers. The first words God speaks to you, to me, to us, are words of blessing. God blesses you as his image bearer. So that should shape how you see yourself, how you see others. Yes, sin is a reality in this world, and we see it again and again, not only nationwide and worldwide with terror and hatred and violence all over the place, but sin is a reality in the world right here in our own neighborhoods, in our own lives, in our own homes. And we're going to talk more about that in the coming weeks. But know that sin and brokenness do not have the first word in your story and in my story and in your definition of who you are. God's first word to you and to me is blessing. And that will be his last word too. We will be blessed through the recreating and redeeming power of Jesus Christ. His death and his resurrection guarantee that the image of God within you and within me will be perfected, will be made complete and whole for eternity for those who love him. That's the blessing that God assures and gives to you. You are someone who's been blessed by God. You are someone who is loved and honored and valued so greatly by God. You are someone God created with a purpose and a plan and a calling to fill this earth, to subdue it, to be his representative, to bear his image to this world. And some of us here heard that story, heard that truth from a very young age. Maybe we had parents, grandparents, friends who modeled for us the image of God and helped to reproduce it in us. Others of us learned who we were created to be much later in life. Some of us are still learning it because we don't really believe that we matter that much. Some of us have a hard time believing that we're good for anything because somebody else has told us that, told us something different with their words, with their violence, with their ignoring us maybe. They said, you don't matter. 
you are of no value. And that's just not true. That is just not true. Because God has said you are of immense value because you have my image in you. And some of us need to be reminded of that again and again. Because we've forgotten our purpose. Or maybe we found our value somewhere else. So this morning, if nothing else, remember where your story starts. You are made and blessed by God. You are honored and loved by God. And God has invested him, his very self in you. Recognize the image of God in you. Day in, day out, all times, all places. Let this world see God in you. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for loving us so much, so immensely, that you put your own image in us. You put yourself in us. You invested yourself so greatly in us that that we can't help but show this world who you are. And Father, some of us don't do that well at all. The brokenness of sin has, has marred that image in painful ways. And we just thank you for your grace that never lets us go, that never says, I give up. But your grace that continues to be offered to us that, that will wash away the brokenness and we'll let that image be seen clearly again. Help us to know our brokenness enough that we're willing to go to you in repentance and receive that forgiveness and grace. And Father, make us people who in this world that is so dark, that is so broken, make us people who shine and reflect your face your love, your truth, your grace into that darkness. And when people see us, may they see you. And that might mean we make choices that go against the ways of this world. That might mean we live lives that don't fit in, that are shaped by you instead of shaped by this world, that are shaped by your priorities rather than the priorities of our nation and of our world. Give us the courage to do that. Help us to be in this world for you, but not of this world. Continue to give us yourself, Father. Continue to shine yourself into us that this world might then see you through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.